the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the program. Uh, earlier in the show, we spoke with Chuck Marone from Strong Towns, strongtowns.org, and we talked about uh, the future of big city America, even uh, mid-sized city America, and uh, how a lot of cities are not in a position to be sort of forward-thinking and planning, you know, vision-questing. They're in the position of trying to deal with the consequences of the policy choices they've made in the last year and, frankly, in some places over the last several decades. And so this uh, profile on the city of Portland was an interesting one that I read in Forbes. I just think of uh, the opening of uh, the show Portlandia, where it's like, keep Portland weird. It's this sort of bohemian place that's liberal and wacky and, uh, and, and, and colorful in that way. And uh, now I, I don't even think you can say Portland has become a caricature of Portlandia because that would include that – that would imply there was something humorous about what's happening there, and it doesn't seem very funny at all, given the violence, the turning over of the city to mobsters in the form of Antifa. Uh, our friend uh, Andy No almost murdered by Antifa last year. Uh, wrote, written a book about it as he's tracked their movements. The uh, impotent of local officials there, starting with the mayor Ted Wheeler. Um, it's uh, perhaps. Um, the city that has been on the fastest downward trajectory since the COVID outbreak. For more on that, let's uh, speak with the gentleman who put together the profile and Forbes I'm referencing, Death of a City, the Portland story. His name is Bill Connolly, senior contributor to Forbes, chairman of the board of the Cascade Policy Institute, and author of The Flexible Stance, Thriving in a Boom-Bust Economy. Uh, Bill, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hello, Dan. Uh, with respect to Portland, it's not as sudden as Pompeii, as you reference in your piece. But but I mean, the, the descent uh, and the pace of it is striking, even as compared to cities that sort of have been slowly declining over many years, like my hometown of Chicago. That's right. Cities across the country are hurting because of the covid pandemic. And I would say here in Portland, that is still the biggest problem. Uh, people are sick. People are, are not going downtown. They are um, avoiding restaurants uh, and um, theaters, that kind of stuff. But we have, in addition, a set of poor policies that result from poor leadership. And it's not just the mayor or the um, other elected officials like our district attorney who does not like to prosecute uh, riot-related cases. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, the business community, the nonprofit leaders, the religious leaders, there's a failure of leadership across the board to address high housing costs, the persistent riots, and the homelessness on, on the streets. So I believe that Portland has shot itself in the foot. And usually, I don't know if you have ever done that, but usually 
people survive a gunshot wound to their feet so long as they get treatment. But the Portland leadership is denying that it has any wound at all. And as a result, uh, we are at risk of uh, dying as a city. It's interesting you talk about sort of the housing costs and and, uh, and making it unaffordable for middle-income families, middle-income people and families. It's just always remarkable to me, sort of the, the most uh, uh, progressive places uh, and, and proudly branded as such, Portland, uh, San Francisco, number one, have the greatest in, uh, income disparity uh, and the biggest homeless problems. That's right. And our land use policy, what we uh, did here in Portland is we drew a line and we called it the urban growth boundary and uh, developers cannot build subdivisions or apartment houses outside of that boundary. And it was so the people who owned houses um, would benefit uh, when you drove to your second house at the beach or in um, central Oregon, you did not have to drive through subdivisions. You'd drive through uh, farms, and that looks nice, but it really disadvantaged people who were not homeowners. It disadvantaged renters. And funny thing is it had a racist impact. The people who passed that law were not racist intentionally, but it had the effect of making life very hard for lower income people, which included uh, many of Portland's minority communities. So here we have. That seems to a happen a lot of- when you uh, make policy based on sentiment rather than economic. <laughs> That's right. So here we have leaders in, in the community who want to help minorities, but they're supporting policies that hurt minorities. Uh, when we come back uh, with Bill Connolly, I want to explore uh, the, the footprint Antifa has in Portland, um, just how much have they been able to essentially take over there, uh, or has it uh, been sort of overhyped? We'll get his perspective. Bill Connolly, senior contributor to Forbes, chairman of the board of the Cascade Policy Institute, and author of The Flexible Stance, Thriving in a Boom-Bust Economy. The more you listen, the more you'll know. This is this. Is the Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to the show. We're speaking with Bill Connolly, senior contributor to Forbes, chairman of the board of the Cascade Policy Institute, and author of The Flexible Stance, Thriving in a Boom-Bust Economy, talking about his piece in Forbes, Death of a City, the Portland story. As I mentioned before the break, Bill, I, Antifa and the violence there and the stories over the last year or 18 months of them sort of taking over the streets, uh, even doing things like directing traffic. The challenger in the last mayoral contest to Ted Wheeler, the mayor of Portland, who was an avowed member of Antifa and, you know, came fairly close to defeating him, actually. You know, just how much of a presence does Antifa have, how much influence and and how much of a problem are they for Portland regaining some of their sense? Well, most of the time in most of the city, there is very little evidence of Antifa. Uh, My wife and I went for a walk through some of the urban area um, where there had been riots recently and life looked normal, as normal as it can be when all the restaurants are closed and, uh, you know, coffee shops are closed. We did see the uh, federal immigration, ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement Building, uh, a federal facility that has plywood over what used to be windows 
but uh, most of Portland is going on as normal. What is bothersome is when you go downtown, in addition to some restaurants that close because there are very few people uh, working downtown, you have boarded up stores. I've seen downtowns with empty storefronts, but they usually don't have to board up the windows. But there's been so much destruction of glass that they've been boarded up. There are um, obscene graffiti, include calling for the death of Andy No. Some of these riots moved into the suburbs, uh, not often, but every now and then they'll do what they call direct action. Uh, they destroyed windows at the uh, Tigard, Oregon Police Department, a suburb close in. You can see their signs, but most of the time they're not visible. And so uh, the the posture of the police, you mentioned the local prosecutor doesn't like to prosecute uh, rioting related charges. We see that around the country, too. And uh, a lot of criminologists have argued uh, exactly that has been the and, and, and police being on their heels as uh, the, the proximate cause of the 42 percent spike in murders in the United States 2020 over 2019. But the the posture of the police, of the, the city leadership, uh, are, are they just sort of trying to manage the decline or are they actually t- trying to take steps to revitalize these uh, areas that have, as you're describing, been shuttered? Well, the police are frequently outnumbered. I think they're always outnumbered and they are always being videoed. And you have an unfortunate situation where if somebody in the mob throws a a bottle or a rock at a police officer, well, that's a crime of assault. If the police try to arrest that person, other people, peaceful protesters, get in the officer's way and um, the officers can't get around these people. Now, back in the 60s, if, you try, if somebody tried to get in a police officer's way who was making a bus, he'd pull out a baton and start thumping heads. Right. Uh, our officers are not doing that, uh, partially because they're on video, but also I think they've learned a lot of restraint. So their, their, their hands are tied. If they do arrest somebody for uh, obstructing a police officer, which is a, a, a crime, uh, the, that person will not be prosecuted. And in fact, the Multnomah County District Attorney Schmidt is not prosecuting the same crimes that are being prosecuted with respect to the U.S. Capitol riot, which is, you know, hmm. disorderly conduct, obstructing a peace officer, criminal trespass. Those are not being prosecuted in Portland. And so, I mean, you're, you're, you're speaking to it. I mean, you have uh, downtown businesses that are boarded up. So there's, there's been some lasting impact on the business community. A- efforts to revitalize, efforts to think about uh, policies to address the homelessness issue that you raise in your piece as well. Is, is any of that afoot or are they just uh, sort of, you know, a bunker mentality trying to get through each passing day? You know, it's a little bit of both. On the housing cost, they think the solution is affordable housing. And if we were on TV, I'd be putting air quotes around affordable. In some cases, they are uh, purchasing existing apartments to offer them for rent at below market uh, rents. But that just takes other housing off the market, making, uh, you know, people who are willing to pay and able to pay uh, market rents um, have to go somewhere else. But they're also building some new affordable housing. But affordable housing costs more than regular housing, surprisingly enough. We have a version of the Davis-Bacon Act that mandates uh, union labor on all projects. 
And so affordable housing costs more than regular housing. I, I told my wife my next boat is going to be an affordable boat. Uh, <laughs> and she yeah. thought I was being thrifty until I explained that affordable boats cost more than um, regular boats. Yeah, it's all in how you term it, right? It's all in the it's all in the marketing. Um, and so, so what's your perspective on on the uh, sort of near term future of Portland? Well, near term, uh, you know, COVID is important. Getting people vaccinated, uh, vaccinated. Uh, the governor's decided that um, uh, prison inmates and school teachers have priority over senior citizens, uh, which seems kind of weird to me, but that's uh, that's Oregon. Uh-huh. I think that we're going to get healthier and um, some people will start coming uh, back to downtown, but across the country, uh, there are not going to be as many people in downtowns uh, going forward as there had been. So we're going to have a little bit of suburbanization, but suburbanization, people being able to work remotely and then wanting to live remotely uh, flies in the face of our land use policy. So I think we're going to have a big argument within our state about uh, whether we uh, go to the suburbs. And then our homeless policy uh, is is sad. It's sad for the homeless as well as uh, the appearance. Uh, There are, are... little tent encampments throughout the city. You can't drive uh, or walk without seeing a few people in tents. It's very visible. And we don't really have a good solution. Our public leaders don't have a good solution. But to tell you the truth, there are no magic bullets uh, on the homeless problem. But at some point, I think the city uh, leadership needs to say uh, there are some standards, there are some rules that everybody has to live by. He is Bill Connolly, senior contributor to Forbes, chairman of the board of the Cascade Policy Institute, and author of The Flexible Stance, Thriving in a Boom-Bust Economy. Bill, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Great talking with you, Dan. Take care. Listen to podcast of the show at danproffshow.com. 